Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to the latest edition of the Pewter Report podcast. I'm your host today, Scott Reynolds. John Ledyard is moving to Florida, folks. He is going to be down here covering your Tampa Bay Buccaneers live in state, moving from uh, from Pennsylvania down here. Also bringing some cold weather down with him, which is kind of cool. Uh, because in Florida, winter is measured in days, not weeks or months. Uh, that's familiar face right there is Taylor Grizz Jenkins joining me on today's podcast. Uh, did you have a good bye week? I did. I did. It was weird sitting around and watching it and not thinking about you know what what the Bucks are going to do and how they're going to. It was oddly relaxing, oddly anxiety inducing, but <laughs> overall a nice bye week. Hope you had one too, Scott. I did, and uh, the the great thing about today's show, we're going to be talking about the Bucks playoff picture in the NFC, where they stack up after the weekend's uh, outings, and uh, and we're also going to dive a little bit into what the Bucks need to do to get to the playoffs by beating the Vikings. This is a big, big, big game now. All of a sudden, with the Vikings kind of red hot with regards yeah. to winning five of their last six games, including yesterday in overtime, beating the Jaguars. But before we do that, let's get energized by our good friends at Celsius, Taylor. I see you drinking a Celsius, my friend. How about that? Absolutely love them. Well, love them. I've got it. Uh, it's it's a Monday. I got my Celsius orange right here, and you know what that means. It's time uh, for Celsius. And the great thing about Celsius is it is it is fueled with no sugar, no preservatives. Great flavors. If you're looking for an active, healthy lifestyle, but you want a boost of energy during during the Monday, boom! Here it is. It's Celsius. If you're looking for something to get you revved up. For your workouts, uh, Celsius is the way to go. So uh, certainly, um, we appreciate our good friends at Celsius for for being the title sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. And uh, we're excited to get roaring here. The Bucks are back in action this week. Uh, Taylor, what are your thoughts on what the Bucks had to do? John and I shared uh, our thoughts last week on the Pewter Report podcast about the steps that the Bucks needed to take. And the players got six week or six days off during the bye week, and will be coming back to work tomorrow. And typically, they have Tuesday off, but they have they have Monday off today off instead. So, what do you think the coaches have been up to? What has to happen for the Buccaneers to really gear up and uh, and do battle with the Minnesota Vikings, and, and more importantly, come out with the win on Sunday? I mean, if I'm being honest, I think the biggest thing the coaches had to do is take a long look in the mirror. And they had to sit down. And I know that Bruce Arians will never admit this. The coaching staff will never admit this. But there are some things that need to change. Because we've seen them. You're going to get outplayed in this league. It's really hard. Even when you have a roster that's as talented as the Bucs are, you're going to have weeks where you just get outplayed. That's expected. But I think one of the big problems that we've seen this season and something that's really going to hinder the Bucs as they head into playoff time, even for this playoff push, they're not guaranteed to make it. They've got two teams, like we said, the Vikings and a good Cardinals team that are right on their heels that could take those spots if the Bucs can't finish strong and win some games they need to. So you just can't get outcoached, especially frequently. So we know they've got problems, and I know Bruce Arians said they've done their their uh, their repping of, the, of every game this season and through the rest of the year, but we've seen them too many times be stubborn. And that's not just Bruce. That's on both sides yeah. of the wall. We've seen that from Byron. We've seen that from Todd. And I think that they really just have to take a long look in the mirror and say, even though this is the way we do it sometimes, this is what needs to change heading into this stretch if we really want to make a meaningful push to the playoffs and into it. Right. Well, let's let's take a, a quick look at the playoff picture, right? Because the Buccaneers had yeah. the bye week. They're, they're sitting there at 7-5. and five. And, uh, you know, Taylor, when you look at – at uh, you know, at this, this has really been the second week in a row where, even though the Buccaneers lost to Kansas City, they haven't lost any ground in the playoffs. Yep. And and so at seven and five, they've got the number six playoff seed. That's that's the second playoff spot in the NFC. What we did see is we saw the Saints be the first team to clinch a playoff berth with their win over the Falcons. They're ten and two. Um, then you've got the Packers, which. 
moved up a spot to the second seed. With 9-3, and three, they had a win over the Philadelphia Eagles that pretty much all but eliminates the Eagles. I, I think the Eagles yeah. are fading fast. I mean, they're still technically not out of it because the NFC East is the NFC least. Uh, it's it's ridiculous so how, how that division is. But so the Packers are 9-3. and three. The Rams now all of a sudden become the NFC West leader for the time being with that Seahawks loss. So the Rams are 8-4. and four. And they've got a head-to-head tiebreaker advantage over the Seahawks, which is why they all of a sudden go from the number five seed as the first wildcard team all the way up to number three. And uh, and then you see the Seahawks, which had that that spot. Actually, the Seahawks were number two. They move all the way down to number five. Uh, they lost to the Giants. I thought that was a, a pretty big upset. Absolutely. Uh, the Giants, Giants still locked into that number four seed as the – as the uh, uh, the NFC least, as I like to call it, leader, and at five and seven, I mean, I, I got to think the Giants are probably going to to probably finish below five hundred. I think I think maybe they they win uh, enough games to get to you know to eight and eight. But it looks like this is going to be one of those years, and it's happened a couple times where a division winner is going to have a losing record, and I mm-hmm. think the Giants probably in the pole position right now to to win the NFC East. And they're not playing bad football. This is no, let's not forget Taylor. A couple wins. weeks ago, this was yeah, this was a, a Bucks Giants game that was decided with an uh an, you know an Antoine Winfield pass breakup in the end zone. Yeah. So I mean th- you look at that team and I mean they're in position to be the first team in NFL history to make the playoffs while starting their first eight games one and seven. Never been done. But a worst record through eight games was two and six to come back and make the playoffs. And, I mean, we saw that happen, what was it, in 2009 when the Bucks won 10 games, went 10-6, and six, and you saw the Seahawks 2010. sneak in. 2010. Yep. And you saw the Seahawks, yep. Seahawks sneak in with a 7-9 record, go on to beat the Saints. Marshawn Lynch's beast mode run was born. So a yes. really interesting run from them. You thought kind of Washington had a chance to take it. The Eagles, I mean, are just falling apart at the seams. But yeah. it's really interesting. And – this is a huge game for the Bucs. This is a huge game from the Bucs. When you look at where the playoff picture is with the Vikings and Cardinals right behind them at 6-6, six and six, if the Bucs lose to the Vikings and the Cardinals win this week, that could potentially push the Bucs out of the playoffs due to their uh, conference record falling to 4-5 and five, and the two yeah. teams below them going to 5-4, and four, if I'm not mistaken, if that's the next yep. tiebreaker. So, well. You're you're right, and and you look too at, at the at the Giants, for example. Well, let's let's look at, at the Redskins, right? They're they're right. I should say the Redskins. Sorry, old Washington. habits die hard. Washington yeah. Football Team at four and seven right now. They've got games against Seattle eight and four, the Packers nine and three, the Saints ten and two, the Cardinals six and six, and then the Cowboys three and eight. I just don't see. The Redskins no. doing battle with the, with those playoff caliber teams and coming away with enough wins to surpass what the Giants already have at uh, at five and seven. When you look at, at their remaining games, I think it's a much easier schedule. You've got the Cardinals at six and six. I think I think they they stand a pretty good chance right there. The Cardinals are kind of fading fast. The Browns at nine and three, right? I mean, who thought the Browns mm-hmm. would be ahead of yeah. Baltimore right now in the AFC uh, North? But that's exactly what's happened. They're at nine and three. The Ravens at six and five, and they're fading fast as well. The Cowboys at three and eight. So I, I think the Giants probably win two of those games and finish seven and nine, and and they win the East. And uh, but the the biggest storyline is is the Buccaneers. Do they can you know can they can they win out? Because eleven and, and and five would get you into the playoffs for sure. Ten and six probably gets them in. But I think more importantly, from a psyche standpoint, Taylor, I want to get your thoughts on this. The Buccaneers need to stop losing at home. They've lost three straight at home. And I don't think that that the Buccaneers want to lose three games in a row, certainly, uh, trying to gain some steam and some momentum to make the the playoffs. You don't want to lose three games in a row. This is a very, very important game, I think, not just from a, a playoff positioning standpoint, but also from a team psyche standpoint. Yeah, and you've got the Lions coming up, which we know what they are. There is really no scenario in which the Bucs should lose that game. You've got the Vikings, which are going to be a very tough opponent. They've got a solid defense. They've got a good offense. They've stumbled at times this year. But then you've got two games against the Falcons, 
which on paper, you look at it and you go, they should win. But it is always, you know, as well, it is always a battle when, when this division goes at each other. And I don't think there is any reason why, if the Bucks start looking ahead, if they went, you know, if they happen to beat the Vikings, start looking ahead to the Lions, start thinking about the playoffs. Why Atlanta can't come in? Two former Tampa Bay coaches. A lot of these players that are still on the team played under Dirk Cutter. It's probably going to be an emotional matchup. Yeah, absolutely. So it, I think it's definitely got to be in the Bucks' head because I don't think if you ask every player in that locker room, there's not many of them that realistically thought they were going to be seven and five at this point in the season. So while they're still winning, they've still got a really good chance to make the playoffs. No doom and gloom yet. I know a lot of fans. While seven and five feels like a disappointment entering the season with Super Bowl hopes, go back over the last twenty years and ask fans at the beginning of the season whether they would take seven and five right now, and that's yeah. a really good spot to be in. Although it's not exactly where the Bucks may want to be heading into these last four games. No, I, I'm with you on that, and, and and I think too when you when you look at this, the, the obvious outcome, right? If the Buccaneers were to beat the Vikings, and I believe they should, I think they're, they're the more talented so team, and if you look at at the Vikings and their the schedule that they have. They only have one win against a team that is that has a winning record, right? And that was Green Bay on November first. They have played Green Bay twice, so they split with with the Packers. Obviously, they're in the same division, so they're one and one against teams that have winning records. Then you look at the Colts with the winning record, so they're now they're one and two with the loss there. They've lost to Tennessee. They're one and three. They've lost to Seattle. They're one and four. So when you add it all up, they've only beaten one team with the winning record. Mm-hmm. And even though they've won five out of the last six, uh, that one we talked about was against the Packers. Then they beat the Lions. They beat the Fading Bears. They lost to the Dallas Cowboys at home, 31-28. In the last two opponents, they've had to really rally to beat and that's the Carolina Panthers and the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars who took them to overtime with Mike Lennon, former Bucks quarterback. Yeah, uh, under center. Yeah, so it's one of those things where, you know, you want to give the Vikings credit because, you know, wins are hard to come by, but they certainly have not beat any juggernauts by any means outside of that one win against the Packers. And that was at Green Bay, 28-22. to Green Bay had scored a win against the Minnesota Vikings uh, at uh, you know in the dome, forty three thirty four on opening day. So this is a team, this Vikings team that has some momentum, and and of course what happens is if they win, all of a sudden both of those teams now are tied at at seven and or at uh, yeah at, at uh, seven and and six, and uh, you know. I, if you're the Buccaneers, you have lost the head-to-head tiebreaker against the Vikings, and that's a bit of a scary proposition. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, I mean, one huge thing, huge thing coming into this game could be whether Eric Kendricks can play. That middle linebacker yeah. for the Vikings, all pro, so much talent, was forced to miss the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars game with, a, yeah. I believe, a calf injury pregame. If he yeah. doesn't play, Correct. that's a huge blow to the Vikings because we know what they've got oh, on offense. They've got – their offensive line's okay, but then they've got, I mean, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Kyle Rudolph, Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins. He makes his mistakes, but when he's on he and everything's working for him, if the Bucs can't get a pass rush, any quarterback, especially Kirk Cousins, can tear you apart when he's given time in the pocket. So yeah. we know that this team is capable of keeping up with the Bucs. And if the Bucs offense stumbles, starts out slow, makes mistakes, this could very easily be a game. We've seen the Bucs. Go yeah. down to the wire with lower teams than their caliber. Mm-hmm. We saw them lose to the Bears. We saw them play down to the wire, like you said, with the Giants. So this is a game mm-hmm. that on paper I absolutely think the Bucks should win, but they should yeah. definitely not go into it thinking they've already won it. I mean, just opportunity for an upset all day. Yeah, and, and when you you look at, at this too, this this is again we talked about Minnesota being a team that has had a rally from behind. Um, I think Tampa Bay has got to do a better job of coming out and starting in the first quarter. I mean, we've beaten that that Absolutely. horse to death, and, and and it's the truth. They have to. But even then, Minnesota's not going to panic. They were down nine nothing at home mm-hmm. to Jacksonville, and and stuck with Dalvin Cook. And and you know, I, I think that at times Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians are too quick to give up on the running yeah. game. And and we've seen that that uh, 
We've seen more Leonard Fournette as a result because he's the guy in there on passing downs than Ronald Jones, who's the better running back with better production. So uh, even if the Buccaneers, say, jump out to a, a 10 nothing or 14 nothing lead in the first quarter, that would be great news. But you still got to keep playing because Minnesota, with Dalvin Cook, he is a every-down back. And they on third and in uh, 17, we saw him, you know, get, get a draw and gain 11 yards. So the, they will they'll use Dalvin Cook the entire game. I think he had 41 touches mm-hmm. on Sunday against the Jaguars and produced 179 yards, 120 yards on the ground, 79 or 59 yards through the air on nine catches. So uh, he's he's a weapon that you have to take care of. You talked about um, about Michael Kendricks or Eric Kendricks being um, out for that last game. And I, I saw when I watched the film, the tight ends have their way. Yes, with uh, with the, the Vikings defense, what, what Mike Zimmer likes to do, and and yes, I I, I agree with with uh, Lost Laboratory. Uh, Mike Zimmer's defense is a bit of a concern. I don't see the pass rushers up front. They had to use Harrison mm-hmm. uh, Smith on a blitz one time to get to uh, Mike Lennon. Um, they just they don't have the pass rushers up front that that they used to, uh, and. And, and I, I think that if this offensive line can give Tom Brady a pocket, he can really pick apart uh, this secondary. He's just got to be concerned and mindful with the Vikings' safeties because they will play a lot of cover two. They'll rush four, drop seven. They'll play a lot of cover two. And when you look at Tom Brady, out of his 11 interceptions this year, six have been thrown to safeties. And, mm-hmm. and I believe it's it's he's got um, – let me find that statistic here. I just had it. Uh, Tom Brady has he has thrown f- five of his last seven interceptions have been to safeties, right? Yeah. Harrison Smith had one of those interceptions on Sunday for for the Vikings defense in addition to a sack. So he's like their big play guy in the secondary. They got some rookie corners, uh, but Harrison Smith is really the the guy that makes that back end go. That's one thing Brady's got to be really mindful of is is finding out where where he is and and avoiding him like the plague because he is a big time playmaker for him in the secondary. I completely agree. And when you look at the matchups with Dantzler and Gladney and Boyd out there for the Vikings, the Bucks absolutely have the advantage with their wideouts. But we've seen games like that in the past where they have the advantage. Can they come out and play like they did against uh, Carolina in their two games where you had absolute advantage with your wideouts? And you took advantage of it. You were clean. You were consistent. You and you scored points relatively uh, or regularly, quickly, mm-hmm. and throughout the entire game. Just production was off the charts. But you can't come out and make a mistake early, and then, like you said, move away from the run so quickly. We've seen Brazilians come out well. It was a two-score game early, and so we were in, you know, two-minute drive the whole time. That mm-hmm. cannot happen. The Bucks, yep. the Bucks offense is an impatient one. I wrote about that last week. It's one that wants to take chunk plays when they just need to be thinking about the most important things are efficiency and scoring. Don't yep. turn the ball over. And it doesn't well, – we talked about this after the Rams game and something that McVay does so well that Bruce Arians in his offense refuses to do. And that is mm-hmm. take what's given to you and don't care how long it takes to score. If it takes right. you nine minutes – to get down the field and it takes you 14 mm-hmm. plays, but it results in six points. That's the most important thing. Why does every drive yep. need to ha- happen in five, six, seven plays? Why do you need yep. to have that 40 yard chunk play? It's important. And every team needs to have some element of explosiveness. We saw it with Dirk Cutter where he tried to have that a lot of the time and it didn't work. Yep. And that's where the offense struggled. So you need to have that in the offense. But if you try that, their safeties are just so good. And I think that with that yeah. cover two, they're really going to take advantage of mistakes that you just can't afford to make against the Vikings. Especially well, like you is, said, with Dalvin Cook, you can control the ball so well, and he is right. arguably the most explosive back. He can score yeah. just like Mike Evans or Antonio Brown can score at any moment. So can he mm-hmm. from the backfield. And and I, I think the thing too is when you look at, at at you mentioned the Vikings playing those you know the cover two, you know, a, a fair amount of time and quarters coverage. I think what that 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 lends itself to if you're the Buccaneers is and what I what I haven't liked from from Byron Leftwich as a play caller the, the last month or so is when when they get to the, the more manageable third and short situations, third and three, third and four, we've seen Leftwich go empty 
And I, I don't like empty formations except in, in third and long situations because those are predictable pass situations. So if you're going to be predictable, like be predictable, right? It's third and seven. Yeah, Completely we got to pass the ball, right? Because we got we to get seven, eight yards to convert this thing at least. On third and three and third and four, I think when this team goes empty, um, while I do realize it, it, it prompts the defense to, to play more man-to-man, and that situation, and maybe that makes it a little bit of an easier read for Brady to, to look and find the favorable matchups. Um, I get that, but I still like as as uh, you know from from a defensive mindset. Like if I'm, if it's third and three, and you come out and you're not empty, I still got to respect that running back. I still got to respect Completely the agree. possibility of a draw, of a handoff, you know, of, of play action, whatever. You can't do play action when there's no running back in the backfield. And so I don't like that play call. I also don't like the the, the lack of the usage of wide receiver screens, those little quick one-step smoke routes, right, where it's Brady just quickly throwing the ball laterally down the line of scrimmage, getting the ball into the hands of a Chris Godwin, uh, Scotty yes. Miller, and Antonio Brown, guys that have some initial quickness that can get three or four yards and convert the chains rather than having to force Tom Brady to you know to take a drop and and look downfield and take a deep shot. We've seen too many vertical routes on third and short situations. So that's one thing going forward with the type of defense that that Mike Zimmer is going to present to you. It's either going to be drop seven and it's going to be cover two on third third down, or he's going to bring pressure off the edge. And we saw the Bucks struggle with that um, against Kansas City, especially in the yes. second half on Brady's two interceptions. Bringing pressure off the edge, that's how Harrison Smith got a sack. They've got to figure out some ways to get the ball out of Brady's hands quickly and give him an option. There's no reason for Brady to be throwing, you know, a jump ball type situation to a five foot ten Scotty Miller off his back foot when he gets pressure. That should be a quick, makeable throw to get yardage and convert the, the you know the first down and, and move the sticks. No, and I love what you said about get the ball into Scotty Miller's hands in those situations. We've seen Chris Godwin or Godwin times or, or Antonio take Brown. I'm, I'm, I'm Antonio not beholden. Brown. I'm yeah. not beholden to Scotty Miller. I'm just saying, and, and thing, I love Mike Evans, but 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 Mike Evans is is not the the quickest twitch guy. I don't mind yeah, the short passes to Evans agree. when this team's down at the two or three yard line or the one yard line. Sure, that's fine. But but when I'm saying wide receiver screens, like let's let's get the ball out of Brady's hands quicker. And to to somebody who has got some initial quickness to pick up a couple yards. Yeah, and I mean, Chris Godwin is able to run through contact on those bubble screens as good as anyone on the team. And that was something that frustrated me so much early in the season was the emphasis on getting the ball in three guys' hands in situations that I didn't understand. Um, Rob Gronkowski on screens, which he's not 25 years old anymore. He's not running through guys and making guys miss like he used to. Still a great player. But he's not making the same kind of plays in space that he used to. Mike Evans on screens. When we just know he had a, he had a great play on a shallow reception against the Rams, where he ran through two guys and got to the end zone. But that's an anomaly. That's not a regularity. Yeah. You're not going to have a lot of broken tackles and run after the catch from Mike Evans. And another is Leonard Fournette. And I know you've gone on about it. John's gone on about it. The the, the steaming necessity to get the ball in his hands. Run quick routes. And it's not just the vertical routes on third and short that bother me. But looking back against yeah. Kansas City, it seemed like Byron Leftwich all of a sudden just pulled so many mesh routes out of his hat on third down. And while I do mm-hmm. like utilizing the horizontal passing game from the Bucks, I think it's something that's been missing that we really haven't yeah. seen emphasized with the exception of against Chicago when they were missing uh, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans wasn't 100%. And you were running guys yeah. like Jaden Mickens and Tanner Hudson out there. But mm-hmm. that, again, is a play that, while I like the the context and I like the scheme yep. of it, it's a long developing route. When you run that mesh route, you're relying on guys getting past defenders and working their way opens once they can release past each other. But quick right. outs, bubble screens on third and three, third and four, those are things that are just, it seems like they're not utilized for whatever reason. And I, there it seems like sometimes this offense has no rhyme or reason for why things happen why they happen the the as frequently as they do and that's just mm-hmm. goes back to looking at yourself in the mirror as a coaching staff and saying these are the things we do well these are the things that even though they may be what we want to identify as they're not our strongest points and these are the things we need to correct no you're exactly right and just to kind of wrap up our our playoff um picture talk 
the reason why this game is so critical for the Buccaneers to win is again, if if they lose and the Vikings win, all of a sudden you get a surging Vikings team tied with the Bucks at seven and six. But then having that tiebreaker in the head to head, and what that would also do is give them uh, an advantage in the conference record because the Vikings would be five and four in the conference right now. Tampa Bay is four and four, and you look at at the remaining games. The Bucks have two games against the Falcons. That are, that are sandwiched, you, I should say, you get the Lions game sandwiched between two games against the Falcons. Uh, after the game against Minnesota at home, Tampa Bay hits the road where they've performed even better than they have at Raymond James Stadium yeah. this year to take on that 4-8 Falcons team. Then you go to Detroit, and then you, you come home and face the Falcons in the season finale. The Vikings, after they face Tampa Bay, they host a – a Bears team that is just on a sinking ship right now. They've lost what six straight games? I think six straight after starting five and zero, oh, yeah. right? Or uh, yeah, five and one. Starting off five and one, yeah. So they've lost six straight. I think Matt Nagy is is squarely on the hot seat right now, and uh, I think a very confident Vikings team certainly has to be favored to win that game against a really struggling Bears team that has now gone back to to Mitch Trubisky. Then after that, they're probably not going to beat the Saints, right? I think. Yeah. I think if the Vikings. If the Vikings, um, you know, can beat the Saints in in New Orleans, that would be a, a testament to okay. Well, maybe this Vikings team is surging. Maybe they are a good playoff caliber team. And then they end the season at home against the Lions, who right now are five and seven. So, if if they get past the Buccaneers and come out of Tampa with the win, the Vikings, I think, could easily go two and one down the stretch. Absolutely, and, and that would put them at at nine and seven. And that would really force the Buccaneers to win out and go three and zero to prevent Tampa Bay from having to go to that head-to-head tiebreaker. So that really puts the onus on the Buccaneers to have to finish perfect. And again, as you said, it's it's tough to beat a division rival twice in the same year. And and even though the Falcons they are what they are, they're playing better under Raheem Morris they are. as their interim head coach. It seems like every time they they move Raheem Morris up the. Uh... Up the totem pole, they may they they make a a miraculous comeback. I mean, last season they were just terrible until they moved him from wide receivers to defensive backs, and that's when they went on that huge yep. run. And now Raheem Morris gets the head coaching nod uh, when Dan Quinn is fired, and they have a little resurgence. I mean, they just thoroughly dominated yep. the Raiders two weeks ago. That was, I mean, just I don't know where that came from. I don't know if they could ever repeat that if they had a thousand chances. But I mean. They've, we know what they've got. We know they've got talent. Yep. We know they've got the ability. And now if they're getting the coaching. And real quick, how long until Raheem Morris do you think gets another uh, another offer for head coaching job? It's got to be somewhere really down the line, but how far away is it? Yeah, well, it, it depends. It really depends. He's very well thought of within the Falcons organization. And, you know, the right now, uh, listen, being trying to beat a great team like the Saints, even without Drew Brees, they're still a, a a yeah. quality, well-rounded football team. Their defense is really, really good. That mm-hmm. their defense is underrated, in my opinion, in terms of of what has sustained their their success over these last couple of years. It's not just been all Drew Brees. They've been thirteen and three the last two years. They're on pace to be thirteen and three again this year. Yeah, and that's remarkable. But when you look at at uh, the way they could finish, right? I mean, they've got. Uh, a game against the Chargers, and boy, that that's a, a, a you know a, a team that has really uh, just got pummeled you know yesterday by the 49ers, yeah. forty five to nothing, and Anthony Lynn's coaching career in in Los uh, in Los Angeles is I think tenuous at best right now. So the Falcons could rebound with a win against the Chargers, then they played the Buccaneers twice, then they got the Chiefs. I think Raheem Morris, if he wants to be considered for the head coaching job in Atlanta as the replacement for Dan Quinn. I think he's got to finish at least two and two down the stretch. And that means yeah. splitting yeah. a game against the Buccaneers, beating the Chargers. That that would get them to six wins on the season. If they swept the Buccaneers, lost to the Chiefs, that would be even better for his case. Seven and nine would be a miraculous finish for the Falcons, given how awfully they started. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not ruling out that he gets a job in in Atlanta just because of the fam- familiarity and and maybe they want to keep some continuity there, um, or maybe Arthur Blank just hits the reset button and, and blows the whole thing up yeah. um, and gets rid of the entire coaching staff 
and comes in with with a, a clean slate. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But I'm more interested to see what's going to happen with the Buccaneers. Should they win against the Vikings? That really gives them a, mm-hmm. a, a clear two game advantage against Minnesota. And and I think would really it would be interesting for me to see Taylor. I want to get your thoughts on this. Can the Buccaneers move? from the sixth seed to the fifth seed with a 4-0 run down the stretch here, a 3-1. and What that would mean is is if if you and I think that the, that the Packers are going to run away with the number two spot, which I think that they could. Yes. Let's look at the Saints. The Saints, uh, they got uh, a game against the Eagles. Then they have a game against the Chiefs at home in two weeks. Then they, they play the Vikings and then the Panthers. So I could see... This Saints team finishing fourteen and two or thirteen and three. Mm-hmm. The, the the Packers finish up with games against the Lions, the Panthers, a Titans team that I can't make heads or tails of. No, and then a fading Bears team. So you would like to think that the Packers probably finish three and one as well, maybe even four and zero. Oh. Um, but it will be interesting to see if the Buccaneers can get to the fifth seed or if they stay in the sixth seed. Right now. They would face the Packers as uh, as a rematch going up to Green Bay. If somehow the Packers could leapfrog the Saints and get to uh, the number one overall seed, if the Bucks stayed at number six, then they would they would go to the Saints and have a, a, a third game against them this year. So I'm really interested to see if the Buccaneers can get up to number five, and if that was the case, um, you know. Is, is see if, if there's a rematch maybe with, with the Rams, you know, and the offering mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Oh, that would be, that would be tough. Would you, if you were, if you were leading the Buccaneers, who would you rather face in the playoffs game one? You know, you're going on the road, the Packers who you thoroughly dominated earlier this season. I think you match up with yeah. a little better than maybe the Rams and obviously the saints, or would you rather go into LA against the Rams or going to New Orleans against the uh, against the Saints. If you had to pick one of those three teams, wh- who are you taking? I think the Buccaneers would love to have another shot at the Saints just to kind of make amends, right? Because they got thoroughly embarrassed, thirty-eight to three at home on national and football. But I'm telling you right now, um, I have a hard time picking the Buccaneers against the Saints. I just do. I just have a hard time yeah. uh, picking them. I think the Saints have their number schematically. I think the Saints have their number mentally. Uh, I, I I think that that and it's not even the fact that 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 the that the Bucks don't think they can beat the Saints. I think that that they believe they can, but I just think that the Saints know they can beat the Buccaneers. It's a bully mentality, yes. and Absolutely. I would have a really hard time picking the Bucks over the Saints and, until they show me they can do it. So if if yeah. these two teams met in the playoffs, I would probably pick the Saints and be happy to eat some crow if the Buccaneers pulled off an upset on the road at New Orleans. Um, that's just how I see it. So to answer your question, I think going to L.A. and facing the Rams would be a, a much more favorable matchup. I, I think that the Rams played as about as good as they could play yes. against yes. the Bucs on Monday night, and I don't think the Buccaneers played up to their capabilities. I think if you if these two teams were to play each other ten times – I could see the Buccaneers winning six or seven out of the ten. Yeah, uh, I, I just I believe that's that's the case, um, but we'll see. I, I I'd like to see, and, and I think with Seattle's defense, I think Seattle's defense is has yeah. been abysmal. And I, you look at Russell Wilson. He you know he's not been the Superman that he was at the beginning of of the season in terms of his. I think right now he's throwing more inter- interceptions than touchdowns over the last three games. If I have my yeah, stats correct, I think so. I think that, that either one of those really NFC, yeah, either one of those NFC West teams, Seattle or or Los Angeles, creates a better matchup for the Buccaneers if they can win a ten or eleven games and finish December with some momentum heading into the postseason. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think really, while I think the Bucks match up well against the Packers, I don't think this Bucks team wants to go up to Lambeau Field in December, or January, and face Aaron Rodgers. I really don't think they want to do that. I think, yeah, I would have to agree that the Seahawks or the Rams are probably the best bet. 
I think they played a B minus games against the Ram or against the Rams at best and nearly pulled it out. So I think heading to LA, a warmer climate, yeah, that would be a much better matchup for them. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, when when here's one thing too that I think Bears kind of uh, talking about, and we're we're going to get more into the Vikings Bucks game later in this week. Let me set the table. So Wednesday we've got Jake Arians. Uh, son of Bruce Arians, uh, is going to be on on the Peter Report podcast on Wednesday at four o'clock. Don't miss that. So Jake Arians will be our next guest on the Peter Report podcast. We had some great guests last week. Mark Schofield really breaking down Absolutely. the Bucks and Brady uh, situation on offense. And then Greg Cosell from NFL Films came on Thursday. If you haven't had a chance, Buccaneer fans, to go back and and watch those podcasts, do so because. Schofield and Cosell were fantastic Phenomenal guests. Phenomenal content. We, we had really strong numbers. A lot of Buccaneer fans tuning in to those guests. I think Jake Arians, uh, we're going to ask you know him some, some good pointed questions. Uh, he does not work for the Buccaneers. He'll be the first one to say that. Um, he doesn't necessarily have any inside information, although he does have some insight. So I'll let you kind of read between the lines there. But uh, Jake Arians will be on the Peter Report podcast Wednesday. And then Thursday, John and I will really dive deep into Bucks and Vikings uh, matchups and, and really break that, that, that game down. So typically what we have is, is that matchup show and uh, the preview on Wednesday. That's going to be moved to Thursday this week because Jake Arians can come on Wednesday show at 4 o'clock. So the next couple shows, Wednesday, 4 o'clock with Jake Arians. And then at 4 o'clock on Thursday, John and I will be on board to preview Bucks versus Vikings. But... One of the things that, that bears mentioning uh, about the Vikings and watching that game yesterday, uh, Taylor, was the struggle that kicker Dan Bailey had. He missed two extra points. He also missed a 51-yard field goal at the end of regulation that could have uh, won the game right there before going into overtime for Minnesota. He did win the game on a 23-yard uh, game winner in overtime. But we all know how, how squirrely and swirly the wins at Raymond James Stadium can be, especially that south end zone. We've seen yes. Ryan Suckup been absolutely phenomenal as the Bucks kicker this year. He's got three missed kicks. And, and two were blocked, right? I think two were blocked. Yeah, actually, he's got, he's got, yes, he's got one blocked field goal and then two blocked extra points. And then the other miss was was just a flat-out miss. So he's really only missed one kick. He's got three blocked kicks. That's what I meant to say. So if you factor in the two blocked extra points, he's perfect on extra points. Yeah. Of the two misses he's had, one of those was his first kick as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer blocked in New Orleans. He's only had one other miss. He has had the best season that I've seen from any Buccaneer kicker in my 25 years of covering this team. So it could come down to a kicking battle between Bailey oh, gosh. and 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 suck up. And I think for the first time in a long time, the Buccaneers actually yep. have an advantage when it comes to the kicker position uh, in, in this game. Yeah, I mean, it's so weird not talking about the kicker. It was like Raymond just said here in the comments, it's nice to be talking about playoffs at this time of the year as opposed to the draft. Well, it's also nice to not be talking about the kicker. You can't yeah. put really any game on it where that has absolutely not been the case for the last four or five years that I've been here between uh, Aguayo and I guess Kyra Santos had a good stint here, but I mean, Matt Gay and just really Nick, tough. I think it was Nick Folk. Chandler Canton zero. Yeah. Know? And it was just like, this was what the eighth or ninth season in which the Bucks had opening day with a new kicker. Yeah. And finally Ryan Suckup has been, and I keep, I've avoided talking about him on purpose. Because yeah. I, I'm I'm a little superstitious, and you never want to, you know, jinx, you jinx the kicker, kicker, right? especially a kicker. Of all the positions in the field, that's the last one you want to talk about, good or bad. But man, he has been spectacular, spectacular yeah. from all distances. I think his only missed kick came from 40 to 49. But Bruce Arians, his whole emphasis since he got here was make the ones under 40, make the yeah. automatic ones. If you're under 40 yards. They should go in every single time. Andy's done that. And as a bonus, he's given them some longer kicks as well. So yep. 
unbelievable performance from Ryan Suckup and honestly feel good story of the year for the Buccaneers. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And you talk about feel good and you talk about bonus and all those things. You know, Taylor, when you call our good friends at Briar Greaves, okay, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get the feel good experience of talking with some Buccaneer fans, right? These guys sponsored the Peter Report podcast and also on PeterReport.com. You've seen their banner ads. Well, click on them and go to BriarGreavesInsurance.com, okay? And that's where the bonus comes in because a lot of homeowners uh, in Florida are dealing with with something, a phenomenon that's happening in this state. I, I dealt with it myself. I've shared my my story, what, what happened. I'm not going to name the company, but um, my insurance company, uh, was was threatening to to cancel my policy for kind of some bogus reasons, if you ask me. But that's what a lot of homeowner companies are happening, or that's what they're doing in Florida, and that's what's happening. They're canceling. They're not renewing policies. Some of those companies are leaving Florida, or they're increasing the premium significantly. Call Briar Greaves and speak directly to Briar or Sam for a personalized touch and the information on the best rates. Call Briar Greaves Insurance. They're family-owned and operated and have served the greater Tampa Bay area for 30 years. And it's not just homeowners insurance that they can provide you with. It's it's auto insurance. It's boat insurance. It's life insurance, commercial insurance, flood insurance needs, which we need down here in certain parts of Florida because this is a big sandbar. You know, The folks at Briar Greaves, they're going to take great care of you. Make sure that you mention uh, the fact that you heard about them on the Peter Report podcast. They're going to take great care of you. And you can give them a call at 813-876-4166. That's 813-876-4166, briargreavesinsurance.com. And, and again, the great thing about this, uh, Taylor, is, is not only are they a proud sponsor of the Pew Report podcast, I'm also a proud Briar Greaves customer. Yeah. And that's that's no BS. I, you know, I, I did what Mark Cook asked me to do. Gave them a call. I shared my my homeowner's insurance policy with them. They looked it over. They said, we got this. No problem. We're going to give you a great rate. They did. And I've got even better coverage for, for a better rate. And uh, they took great great care of me. And it's fun talking Bucks football with a couple of great guys like uh, Briar and Sam Greaves. So check That's them out, exactly BriarGreavesInsurance.com. Right. It's exactly right. You, you get to talk Bucks. You get to support good people. And you get to take care of your insurance needs. So. That's awesome yep. for him. So, um, you know, one, one of the last things we're going to mention as we wrap up today's podcast, and uh, just to kind of set the table for for the week here, the Buccaneers are going to be having uh, practice tomorrow, and we get Bruce Arians, and we'll have some updates. Taylor, there was a roster move today in Tampa. Fill everybody in in case they haven't heard. Yeah, so Jaden Mickens, he had been uh, signed offseason 2019, only active one game last year, but this year had taken over primary return duties, kicks and punts. He went on the, until he went on the COVID reserve list uh, before week 10. Um, he was waived today by the Bucks, so that's going to free up a roster spot that will probably be taken. We've seen Kenyon Barner, he handled all the kick and punt return duties against uh, the Rams, the two other games since Mickens has been gone. He, uh, or separated from the team, I should say, that was split between Justin Watson, Antonio Brown. I likely imagine Kenyon Barner will take the uh, the reins on that job moving forward. But, I mean, not a huge loss, I don't think, from the Bucks, but something that's going to change moving forward. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, one other thing that's going to be changing moving forward is, uh, you know, the, the opportunity for you and, and for me and for everybody to – place their bets mm-hmm. at one place because we're getting ready for some bowl games. We're getting ready for some NFL playoffs. It's going to be NBA and NHL season before you know it, Taylor. And there's only one place to go to for the most wonderful time of the year when it comes to the sporting uh, world in terms of placing bets. And that is at mybookie.ag. That's right. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And it, it can't end soon enough. We all want to get 2020 out of here and in the rearview mirror, but we all deserve a win too. We deserve a little extra money in our pocket. We deserve to have a little fun. The only place you're guaranteed to get all three is at my bookie. They're the only sports book that doesn't care whether you've been naughty or nice this year. They got gifts for everyone. Bet NBA, bet NFL, all your favorite college sports and more. Sign up today and receive the ultimate stocking stuffer. It's a 50% off 
deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's a great place to start. But we we all know that Christmas is more about uh, just what's under the tree. And at my bookie, that means huge deposit bonuses, epic giveaways, and free contests. Folks, if you haven't been to the website, it's super easy to navigate. Go to mybookie.ag. And when you're there, sign up. It's simple. Use the promo code PEWTER and get that deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. So basically, put in $500, and they're going to match it and give you $250 worth of, of free cash to bet with. If you want to put in $1,000, they are going to give you $500 as part of your initial deposit if you use the promo code PEWTER. So head over to MyBookie, make the most of the holidays this year, and strut into 2021 with cash in your pocket. This winter, bet with the best, bet with MyBookie. So fantastic promotions over there from our good friends at MyBookie and uh, and Taylor. Uh, any final thoughts as we wrap up this podcast? We're going to have, like I said, Bruce Arians is going to speak with the media tomorrow, so you're going to want to make sure to stay tuned Absolutely. to PeterReport.com and our Twitter feed at PeterReport for the latest from that podcast. Um, but your your thoughts on, uh, on that? Oh, and by the way, in addition to um, the fact that Bruce Arians will be talking, we're also going to have and Sue and Ronald Jones available during the media session. I believe it's set to start at 1 o'clock Eastern time. And we're also going to get to talk to outside linebackers coach Larry Foote, who uh, I've been told is really an up-and-comer on the coaching staff. He is kind of a defensive coordinator and waiting type guy. So Larry Foote, the outside linebackers coach, will also be talking with the media tomorrow. And I want to find out if the plans are to keep Shaq Barrett at right outside linebacker. Yeah. And Jason Pierre-Paul at the left side, like I've been kind of belly aching and yeah, that's and, uh, been your call all year. all year. Yeah, it, it seemed to work out pretty well against Patrick Mahomes. You sacked him twice, forced a mm-hmm. fumble, pressured him nine times, and hit him another time. So why not do something that seemed to work against the best quarterback in the league? Right. Stick with what works. Stick with what works. That is the key for the Bucks on both sides of the ball. Find what works and stick with it. Now, another, like we've said a million times. Huge game this week. I'm, I'm glad to have the Bucks back in the building, uh, hear from Ronald Jones. Hopefully all the players did what Bruce Arians said, got healthy and beat the virus. And it's always great when we get to hear from the assistant coaches because uh, they're always seem, you know, a little more open, especially when the Bucks are winning. They give good information, great answers. And, I mean, no better to hear, you know, no better coaches to really get those questions from than the guys who are working at such an individual level every day. So just a really exciting week coming up this week from us. So stick with it, guys, and – and glad to have you here along with the ride down the down the stretch here this season. Yep. Yeah, listen, John Ledyard, usually if you're not on the podcast, you're suspended. We're not suspending John because he's he's changing addresses, going from Pennsylvania to Florida this week. So Relocating we're to have him down here in the Sunshine State. And we also thank Mark Fisher, who ordered his second case of Celsius. Grape is pretty good. Now trying the orange. That's awesome. That's my favorite flavor. That's my second five favorite. Here. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Just got some peach vibe from my wife. She loves it. And you know what? I'm not a huge peach fan. I like peach pie. I like peach cobbler. Peach drinks, not so yeah, crazy yeah. about that. But you know what? Um, I like it because uh, my stepdad way back in the day used to love peach knee-high. Bottles oh, of yeah. peach knee-high, right? And and to me, that was just too sugary and too sweet. The great thing about Celsius that you know, Taylor, is there's no sugar, sugar no preservatives. Yep. It's got a sweet flavor, but it's not overpowering. And the peach vibe... It's something that my wife actually loves and uh, got her some of those. I tried it. It's not bad. It's not in my my top three, but it's probably somewhere in my top five or seven. But I do like the orange. We appreciate Mark Fisher for ordering uh, that case of, of grape and also orange. I do like the grape. Um, and listen, if you want to get um, in on, on the Celsius action, the best way to go and, and order that is go to PeterReport.com. Click on those Celsius banners. They're going to take you to Amazon where you can buy them in cases uh, to save some money. And and if you're not sure which case you want to buy, which flavor you want to start with, get the variety pack. It's going to yeah. send you a bunch of flavors, and you can try them all out. Um, and certainly that's that's uh, the way to go when it comes to, to trying out Celsius is with the variety pack. So... Um, you know, we've got uh, a couple other, other comments here. Uh, uh, don't hold my breath on every PAT. Talking about having a, a legit kicker this year and Ryan Suckup and and also how Dan Bailey's worse than Aguayo. Certainly hope that's the case for Buccaneer fans and the Bucks 
on uh, on Sunday against the Vikings. He really struggled. Dan Bailey really struggled mightily against the Jaguars. Um, but final thoughts as as we kind of wrap up this edition of the Peter Report podcast. Taylor, any thoughts on Bucks Vikings matchups? Any key one on one matchups that you see, or what do the Buccaneers have to do in your opinion to to get the win on Sunday against Minnesota? Come out fast. Don't let the Vikings stay close. Keep your foot on the gas. You've got to you've got to play. They've got to come out strong on defense. They've got to start faster on defense. They have to avoid mistakes, avoid three and outs early on offense, score points early and often. Do not let the Vikings hang in this ballgame because Kirk Cousins is he hasn't done it a lot in his first couple years with the Vikings, but he's coming off of a, you know a game winning or a game what uh, he took the lead on that drive. Like two mm-hmm. weeks ago, that's what it was. Two weeks ago when he led the game-winning drive against the Panthers, they weren't able yeah. to answer. Last week he had a really strong game. Dalvin Cook can absolutely keep the game and dominate it in his own right. Just you've got to play good football. You've got to play consistent. You don't have to have a perfect game against the Vikings like you did maybe to beat the Chiefs, but you have got to be consistent. You've got to limit the mistakes, and you've got to start faster on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and uh, I would be remiss if I didn't say – that we appreciate all of you out there in Pewter Nation, all of our Pewter Report followers that join us on uh, on the Pewter Report podcast. We see your comments in the chats, and we've tried to post some of those today. Uh, we're going to be back on Wednesday. And so if you haven't followed us on YouTube yet, here's what you need to do. You need to go to YouTube.com, go to Pewter Report TV, click on the subscribe button. I believe we're at 2,000 subscribers on YouTube, which is great. Thank you all for subscribing. Absolutely. It's free. It's free to do. And then you want to click on notifications. Then you're going to get a notification every time we go live. And we've got a couple more shows this week. Wednesday at 4 o'clock, we're having Jake Arians, Bruce Arians' son on. He is very knowledgeable about this team and has his own opinions. He's not an official employee of the Buccaneers by any means, so he doesn't speak on on behalf of the team in an official capacity. But he certainly is is opinionated. He did a great job on the, the Loose Cannons podcast. I happen to catch that over the weekend. And or actually Friday, and saw him there. So we have him on as a guest on on Wednesday at four o'clock. Thursday, John will be back as a Floridian, and John and I will be previewing in depth matchups and in a closer look at the Vikings Bucks game, which will be a big, big, big game. Holy cow! This is going to be a big game. Uh, Thursday uh, in the Thursday podcast. Sunday, we're going to be talking after the game with uh with john and maybe grizz you can join us or maybe mark cook will be available yeah to join us uh, as we talk about the big 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 game between the bucks and vikings Huge. for playoff caliber implications so be sure to to log on sunday night we'll send out those notifications look for that on twitter probably in the eight o'clock hour on sunday night talking bucks vikings so uh for taylor the grizz jenkins i'm scott reynolds for our good friends at celsius we want to thank you for being a part of the Peter Report podcast with your questions and comments. And we'll see you on Wednesday for another edition of the Peter Report podcast. Out. Out. <laughs>